following is a live sermon from the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. We are a non-denominational congregation that meets in Fairfield, Connecticut. We serve Fairfield all the way through New Haven. For more information about our ministry, check us out online at sctcoc.org. Good morning, church. Hope everybody's doing good in this beautiful morning and that you guys are enjoying the service so far. Uh, for those of you uh, who do not know and are visiting with us today, we welcome you. My name is Joel Espada and I help lead the campus ministry here at the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. Uh, quick FYI, I am actually not moderating the live discussion below. Um, typically I do on Sundays, but I was told that that would be a little bit awkward if I gave my own commentary and gave myself props and praise for uh, the message today. And so uh, shout out to Patrick Genova, man. Appreciate you uh, holding it down. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Jeff, for allowing me to share this morning. But, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing this message with you all this morning as, uh, you know, this has been something that actually has been weighing on my heart for quite a while now. And uh, and so I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to sharing my heart with you guys. And uh, I hope that it can be of some encouragement to you all this morning. But without further ado, we can jump right into this. Uh, but before I do that, I kind of wanted to start off with asking a quick question to you guys. Have you ever had something that you've seen that was just so appalling and so distasteful and just so ugly that you just couldn't understand how someone could possibly love it so much? Let me give you an example. Um, maybe it was a friend's car that they drove and it was this beat down, rusty, sun faded hoopty with like over 300,000 miles on the dashboard. And you just couldn't possibly understand why they loved that thing so much that they just rode that thing to the ground. They had the money, they had the job and they could easily get a new car. But instead they, they held on to that car as if it was gold for them. Um, maybe you're thinking of someone right now, <laughs> or maybe it was a, let me give you another example, a family member's choice of boyfriend or girlfriend. And you were just like, I have no idea what they see in him or her. Uh, you were a little bit creeped out by them and you were just straight, just shook for their future well-being. And, uh, and so you were concerned, or maybe you were that boyfriend or girlfriend that was chosen, sadly I can relate. And uh, you just couldn't understand what a person could possibly see in you that was worth loving, right? Maybe you could relate. And you know, the list goes on and on. But, uh, but isn't that how we can treat ourselves and other people nowadays? You know, we could focus so much on the bad. So focus so much on everything that's going wrong that we fail to miss out on the good, what's going right and the beauty that can come out of a dark situation, even a creepy boyfriend or girlfriend. And that's what I wanna talk with you a little bit about today. Um, the title for my message is Dirty But Beautiful. Dirty But Beautiful. Turn with me to Luke chapter seven, verse 36 to 50. Uh, Luke chapter seven, verse 36. And while you're turning there, um, I'm gonna set the scene a little bit for us. You know, so Jesus is just coming back from pretty much doing his, uh, I don't know, a tour 
It's a tour of miracles and wonders. And he's going throughout the nations, throughout the different countries, and he's doing miraculous wonders and signs. Jesus is going around and he's healing people of incredible diseases and afflictions. I mean, the Bible says here that he was giving sight to the blind. He was removing evil spirits. In one case, he, he healed the, the servant of a Roman soldier just by the very words that he spoke. He didn't have to even be there and touch him. In another case, he goes to this crowd where a mother lost her only son. She was a widow. And Jesus goes up to her and tells her, do not cry. And he talks to the young uh, dead man and he raises him back to life. And so people are just astounded. They're filled with like awe and praise. And they're like, I just, I just need to, to meet this Jesus. I need to know whoever he is. I need him to heal me. And as you can imagine, people started treating Jesus like a hot commodity. And everywhere, no matter where Jesus was, the Bible says that his fame pretty much spread throughout the entire surrounding country. And everybody wanted to just get a little bit of time with good old Jesus the healer. And this is where it brings us now to this point where even one person in particular by the name of the Pharisee, some translations say Simon the leper, you know, he gets an opportunity to spend time with Jesus and he invites him over for his house, uh, to his house for dinner and something incredible happens. And this is where we pick up our story in Luke chapter seven, uh, verse 36, and we're going to read through verse 50. So it reads as follows. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Uh-oh. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly. Jesus said, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. 
the other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And you know, there's just so many incredible and powerful lessons that we can get about this passage uh, that we can draw from. In fact, what's amazing is that this story is so incredible, so amazing that it's actually written in three other uh, gospel accounts in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, But there's one thing in particular that I really want to focus on with you today. And uh, it's what I based my title off of is Dirty But Beautiful. Being able to see the beauty in a mist of dirt that's all around us. And so I just have two simple points that I want to share with you today. And first one is this. Point number one, the Pharisee saw dirt despite the beauty. The Pharisee saw dirt despite the beauty. You know, here in this story, we have Jesus and the Pharisee. And for those who don't know, the Pharisee basically is was at the time one of the, the high religious leaders that the people looked up to and they were highly esteemed. The only thing is with them is that they live very hypocr uh, hypocritical lives. And Jesus constantly will butt heads and call them out and rebuke them for the hypocrisy before the people. And these two men have two totally different views of what's taking place before their very eyes. Something incredibly inspiring. And yet they see things differently here. An unnamed woman who the Bible here only makes mention of that she lived a sinful life, heard Jesus was visiting her town, and so she decides, like anyone would in that time, to crash his dinner party. And so as Jesus reclined at the table, the woman stood behind Jesus weeping as her tears fell on Jesus' feet. She then dried them with her hair and anointed them with some of the most expensive perfume there was. One jar alone of this perfume, it's recorded that would have costed more than a year's wages worth of money around this time. And if you think this is a little bit insane or, or impossible, you'd be surprised to know that the most expensive perfume on the market right now actually goes for about $1.3 million and is sold in Dubai. And the crazy thing is, $1.3 million is actually what some people make in a little over a year. And so can you imagine giving up $1 million or over $1 million worth of your hard-earned wealth? Even more, can you imagine the heart and sacrifice of this woman to give up this expensive perfume? It was completely radical. And this one act alone, she probably would have went bankrupt alone. And it was a holy moment, I imagine, right now taking place before Jesus and the Pharisee that left the room in utter silence. And Jesus is standing there and he is amazed. He is moved. Yet, not everybody, not the Pharisee. Look at what it says here in verse 39. It says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That She is a sinner. You know, I can imagine him saying that even with the disgust in his voice, in his tone. 
And you see the Pharisee here, his problem was that he could not see past the dirt of the sinful woman standing before Jesus's feet. Her horrible reputation, the poor choices she made of herself, and to think that you could even step up into my home and have the audacity to come before my Jesus to interrupt my dinner party with him. You know, that was his mentality. And doesn't that kind of look like the reality that we see today? You know, it's easy to feed into what is known as this cancel culture that we have today in our society. Where if you don't believe what I believe in, if you don't see things the way I see things, if you don't, if you sin differently than I do, or, or, or we feel like you don't deserve Jesus's grace, you know, then you don't deserve ours also. And we're going to cancel you out. And, and nevertheless, you're not worthy of our own grace and love and mercy because you're just too dirty. And I just can't bear to look at you. And why is that, that we struggle with this? Well, for me personally, I think it's because it's so hard to see beauty when we're too busy focused on the dirt of others. And, you know, to be honest with you, it's been a challenge for me personally in this. You know, I think about where I found myself a couple weeks ago. Um, I was up hours of the night just losing sleep, reading and watching and learning about all the police brutalities and injustices being done, I couldn't help myself just thinking about it all night long and losing sleep. And, and on top of that, thinking of all the painful memories and experiences, my brothers and sisters here at the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ and the weight that the black community has had to carry on their shoulders for, for centuries long. You know, I was broken, I was angry, and all I could see was dirt and I questioned and wondered myself, like, where is the good in all this? And am I even doing a good enough job to, to be here for my brothers and sisters, to love them, to, to, to see the beauty in them and to, to support them? And it was challenging. All I could see, all I could see was dirt. But, you know, um, after only so much you know, the temptation is just to only look upon certain people as worthy of seeing beauty and to resent those who I deemed weren't. And that's what was wrestling with in my heart. And, you know, because I think it's sometimes so hard to see Pete past people's dirt. You know, we think they hurt me too much. They're just hateful. They're evil. They're the devil. They're nothing and they'll never be nothing and they'll never change. And we solemnly vow never to be like them. But that was not like our Jesus. And before he could even teach the Pharisee to see beauty, he had to show him the dirt that he had on him as well. And so Jesus begins in verse 41 to 42 to teach them, this, to tell this incredible story, this analogy of two debtors and a money lender. And look at how Jesus views the situation. Two people are standing before this money lender. And this is even an analogy, I believe, of the sinful woman and the Pharisee standing before Jesus, the money lender. And look at what he says. He says, one of them owes 500 denarii. And in, in this, for all intents and purposes, we're just going to say $500 because in this case, their, their money was different the way it was uh, measured. But 500 denarii and the other owes 50, a small portion of that, just small, maybe 10% of that. 
uh, 5% or 20% of that. And both don't have the money to pay it back. But the Pharisee didn't see it that way. All he could see was the sinful woman's outstanding debt of $500. Her pile of dirt. And he just threw it in her face as Jesus stood before her. But what the Pharisee did not realize is that when you throw dirt on others, you put dirt on your hands also. Though not even that mattered to the Pharisee, because in his eyes, so long as his hands were less dirtier than hers, he was justified in his own eyes. But you know, I love Jesus because he was so just and he didn't let the Pharisee get off the hook. Jesus showed this Pharisee that he too had dirt, a debt that he owed. And Jesus goes on telling him the story to teach him a powerfully humbling lesson. And it was this, both are dirty, both owe a debt, both deserve punishment, but both are forgiven. Yet Jesus leaves one distinction between the two that makes all the more difference. He ends and says, yet the one who was forgiven more will love more. And that is exactly what happened to the Pharisee's shame. The woman seeing the weight of her own debt, her own choices, her own dirt. She gave all the love she had and she poured it on Jesus Christ. The tears from her eyes, the hair from her head, the perfume to anoint Jesus' feet. She was willing to give it off all, her inheritance, her wealth, for the sake of knowing and loving Jesus. And because of it, Jesus was able to see past all her dirt and all her sin and envision who she could be with him in her life. Which leads me to my next point. Point number two, Jesus sees beauty despite the dirt. Jesus sees beauty despite the dirt. You know, I started off by saying earlier that this story has actually been written in three other books in the Bible. And what's incredible about the story is that in one of those accounts, Jesus is actually recorded saying, leave her alone to the Pharisee. Leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing to me. You know, the Bible doesn't say exactly what this woman was known for. Some say it was prostitution. Some speculate it was immorality of some sort. But the reality is she probably hurt many people down the line and therefore gained a reputation of a terrible and sinful woman. In fact, it was no surprise to the woman herself. I believe she saw her dirt as well. She knew where she stood before her and Jesus. Because if she didn't, you know, her first response to seeing Jesus wouldn't have been tears at his feet, right? And it's Jesus's response, leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing to me. In other words, yes, she's a mess. I know, but she's my mess. That reminded me of a story that I read last month when I too struggled with seeing the beauty in sinful humanity. You know, a woman by the name of Marcella Lee that I'm going to show here in just a moment. Um, she right here in Norwich, Connecticut, while waiting in line at a Starbucks, she began to be hurled racist insults at by a white woman who was running late to work. 
and I mean some of the most some of the most repulsive racist remarks I've ever heard come from someone's mouth. But here's the incredible thing. The white employees there defended and stood up for her saying, not in my city. And followed by that, they, they begin to comfort her and they continue to reassure her that they stand with her and, and, and they, they loved on her and they didn't choose to charge her for her order. But what happens next is what I could not believe. You know, after having went through this crazy experience and you would think that she'd probably never return to the Starbucks again. You would think that she'd probably be just instead, you know, at, at least built up all this bitterness, allow anger for her to, to be built up and for her to just, you know, sow hatred in her own heart and cast off all white people and just say, there's no good, there's no good in them. They're all the same. You know, I see nothing but dirt. But look at what this woman does. Instead, Marcella Lee, she comes back with a, uh, with a crowd of friends and supporters. And, and, and she walks up to the white employees as they line up in front of her store and she's chanting with them with her hand in the air. The youth is the truth. The youth is the truth. And as soon as she reaches the first employee in line, she breaks out in tears and throws her arms around her and embraces her in tears. And with $160 as a thank you for standing up for her. My point in sharing this is simply this. You know, Marcella, Marcella Lee chose to see, chose to take a moment and look at the beauty that was right in front of her, despite the dirt that was surrounding all around her. She could have let her heart grow bitter from the coldness of those racist remarks. She could have let her heart grow uh, weary. She could have lost all hope and humanity, but instead, like Jesus, she chose to take a moment to see the beauty despite the dirt and to change that dirt into beauty. She loved on those white employees, those Starbucks employees. She loved on them. She embraced them. And the photos of it say enough. What about us? What do we see? Do we see beauty? Or is dirt all that we see? Have our hearts become cold? And rightfully so. Where do we need to see beauty today? And what places in our lives do we need Jesus to make beautiful? You know, I don't know all the answers, but I know the answer is found in Jesus. And, and maybe for you, this might mean starting some initiative to fix some of the injustices in your own community. Maybe for some of you, it, it may, maybe for some of us, it may mean reconciling with a brother and sister that we just don't see eye to eye with. Or maybe it's just simply letting Jesus inside of our hearts and making beautiful those places that have gone dirty and allowing us and giving us a new vision, a new perspective of the beauty that is surrounding us in the midst of an ugly and evil and terrifying world. You know, death, poverty, injustice, racism, violence, 
All these things right now are troubling and plaguing our country, our nation, our churches, our church. And maybe it's been almost impossible for you to see any beauty at all in this. And that's okay. But I want to encourage us that when all else fails and everything in front of us looks nothing but bleak, let us look to Jesus because he's perfectly beautiful and is the only one who can take us from dirty to beautiful. I hope that this was an encouragement to you all. And uh, thank you so much for allowing me to share. Dirty but beautiful. Hey everyone, this is a live recording of the Grief Recovery Workshop. The volume's a little low, but please see the show notes for the full notes on our website from this workshop. Thank you.